This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello there and welcome to episode 35 of the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. So two Nations League matches in four days. We'll take a look at them very soon. But thanks for taking the time to listen to the last podcast. Hope you enjoyed the insights from both Croatia and Spain. We'll hopefully speak with Alexander Holliger again when Croatia come to town. Now this episode we speak with Simon Peach from the Press Association who was in the ground in Rijeka, and catch up again with friend of the show, CJ Joyner, who was with the masses in Seville. I've also got a sneak peek into that next episode when I spoke with an England member of staff, so keep listening for that. Right, let's start in Croatia. EnglandFootball.org called it a goalless stalemate in silent Rijeka. EnglandFootball.blog, a strange night in Rijeka. And EnglandStats.com, Rashford forgets his shooting boots in empty stalemate in Rijeka. Now, I struggled for a place to watch this. My hometown was once claimed to have the highest number of pubs per head of population in England. Could I find one with Sky? Could I, but... Now, eventually, after trawling the high street, I found one, but I'd missed the first five minutes. In what everyone was calling unusual circumstances because of the lack of crowd, England struggled to test the Croatian keeper. Likewise, Croatia testing Pickford. Martin Tyler and Alan Smith seemed to be talking together like they're having a conversation in their front room. The only noise from the benches and players... Although, fair play to the England fans high up in the hills behind Pickford's goal in the first half, trying to make themselves heard. With a starting lineup of Pickford and a back four, yes, a back four, of Walker, Stones, Maguire and Ben Chilwell, who'd been drafted in, a midfield of Dyer, Henderson and Barkley, and an attacking three of Rashford, Sterling and Kane. As I said, it took us a while to get going. In fact... Almost on half-time did Eric Dyer's header graze the post from a Henderson corner. Harry Kane had a free header off the bar from a free kick early in the second half, which he'll be disappointed he didn't put away. Then Marcus Rashford had two chances within three or four minutes, both of which went straight at Livakovic. I'm sure he would have buried them for United, but I'm disappointed that many of the red tops dug him out and plastered him across the back pages as being a reason that we didn't win this game. On the whole though, a point away from home against the World Cup finalists in surreal environments is not to be frowned upon. Other positives include the introduction of Jaden Sancho, who came on for Raheem Sterling with about 20 minutes left and showed his potential. In fact... He was England's first ever player to appear in a Three Lions shirt, who was born after the 1st of January 2000. And speaking of Raheem Sterling, 
I came away thinking it's perhaps not working for him with Gareth Southgate. I'm fully aware of what he can do for club, but it's just not working with country. 45 appearances and only two goals. I was on the verge of calling time on him. How things can change in a matter of days. Fortunately, I hadn't recorded anything. Now, last night was the first time that England had played a game behind closed doors. Never before had it happened. It was until we played Croatia in Rijeka. Some England fans, of course, did make the journey. We saw them on the telly, standing up on the hills, and, and fair play to them. But someone who was there, right bang in the centre of it, and experienced it all. We'll find out what sort of experience it was, but he's currently... Uh, in Barcelona Airport, waiting for that connecting flight to Seville, is uh, Simon Peach from the the Press Association, chief football writer at the Press Association. Simon, yeah, it's been a it's been a strange, well, I'd say, twelve twenty four hours. It felt like a really high profile reserve game. If that makes any sense, right? Yeah. If anyone's been to a reserve game and there's that kind of eeriness of a of a stadium and it's not full, but all the world's press were there. Well, certainly all the British press were there. It was like uh, David Beckham was making a comeback from an injury or something. Okay. Everyone crammed in. It was it was an it was a fairly modern stadium, um, but I mean you could hear everything. I, I mean I've been to a fair few under twenty three games this season and stuff like that, so I'm kind of used to it. But not when the the eyes of the nation are on on the, on that match. And yeah, it was. You could hear every cough, spit, splutter, every time the ball was thwacked, every shout, every... I mean, there was one bit when an ambulance was reversing behind the goal and the beeps were echoing around from from it reversing around the whole ground. Um, yeah, you mentioned the, the hardy souls that made the trip over. I bumped into Kevin Miles, the chief executive of the Football Sports Federation oh, yes. in Rijeka Town Centre when I was trying to find some England fans. I did two or three laps before I bumped into to Kevin. Uh, hadn't seen anyone. He thought there was only going to be about 50 there. I know a few of the lads that were perched up on the hill, and I've been speaking to them at the airport this morning. And they said, it, even though they couldn't see the match fully uh, from their vantage points, it was one of the the best away day experiences they had. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah, and you could hear them throughout the game. I'd had a few messages from from the lads saying we're basically we're hidden in in the forest above the ground, uh, which I wasn't sure whether the security force we're going to move them on uh, so they sent me a few photos and I didn't want to put them on social media in case I outed them mm. but they didn't need any help being outed because about 30 seconds after kickoff, the first chance of England started uh, these faint <clears throat> cries from up in the hill you so, from the ground and there was a few chuckles in the press box but <laughs> as there were when they, they varied the chance as the, as the night went on I bet there were some, uh, some good original ones there yeah there was some uh, some aimed at UEFA yeah, I read about that. Uh, yeah, and another one aimed at um, the lack of local support <laughs> uh, in comparison to the English yeah. travelling hordes. Well, <laughs> travelling forty or fifty anyway. But no, it was a it was a strange game, uh, a strange night. The whole thing about it, and it's a shame as well because obviously I'm aware just how much it means for a lot of people to travel home and away with England. And to be denied that chance because of other people's abhorrent behaviour. And mm. quite frankly, what sticks in the craw just as much is the fact that I was the one that found out through an England fan that I knew that there was a suggestion that this match could be behind closed doors. So I, I spoke to UEFA right. and they confirmed it. That was six days after the draw was made. And that's not on because 
a lot of people were messaging me saying, this is a joke, isn't it? What do you mean is behind closed doors? They'd booked the flights and I know a lot of people listening to this will have been in the same boat. I think there was about 500 England fans that went to Croatia, but only about 50 that went on to Rijeka just because of the, the extra expense and the difficulties of even getting anywhere near the ground. So fair play to those guys that did manage it. And it is, it's, an, it's a horrible situation that I hope doesn't happen again to, to England. Yeah, I mean, it, it really did feel like we were punished for, for doing nothing. Yeah, and look, I'm, I know that everyone, we, we all agree that racism should be punished in the highest possible way. Yeah. But they needed to announce that before to stop fans booking tickets. Because why, why would Derek from Redbridge know that Croatia is serving a ban for a, World, uh, for a Euro 2016 qualifier? I mean, they're not going to know that. I mean, no. UEFA, the email, I was going through my emails last night to find out the exact date of when I got the response back from them. And if, and the, the, at the top of the email, it said, yeah, we've been caught on the hop here. Well, that's not fair, really, is it, on, on everyone not else? So. And, and UEFA have done a lot of, a lot of good to make, to try and get rid of discrimination in football. But they, I don't think this was the fairest outcome. Uh, it was actually quite interesting. It was suggested to the Croatian manager last night that perhaps the game should have been switched to England as a double punishment. So not only do they not get the the tourism, the ticket prices, no, uh, uh, the, t- the ticket money, but they actually have to play on the road again, uh, which would have been an interesting way of approaching it, I guess. Obviously, Zlatko Dalic didn't, didn't agree. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's, I guess there could have been a couple of things. It could have had two games here, or we could have played one at a neutral venue, yeah, um, something like that. There, there were other options, and I'm sure Croatia were fully aware that they still had one game of this band left to serve. Someone in the, the higher options of the Croatian FA must have known. Um, so as you say, six days after the draw was made, and I remember speaking about it on the podcast when it was announced, and it, it's just it's just wrong, and, and we've got to hope that, well, obviously, the, the racism situation doesn't rise its head again, but this sort of scenario doesn't happen again for anyone, really, because it's, yeah. it's not fair. But uh, I, th- I think I think what's exacerbated the issue is just how many travel with England. Mm. Um, there's not that same travelling support. I know when you go to games at Wembley, there's a lot of travelling fans, but often that's because London is a metropolitan city with a lot of different nationalities in anyway. I think it was really badly handled and it underlined some laziness, and I hope somebody got a slap on the knuckles and ran the risk for that. Yeah, well, let's hope so. What about the, the situation in the ground? Um, I heard earlier that they they had announcements. There was a PA announcement for, say, substitutes being done. And did did they make? Did they play music at half time or, or anything like that? Um, well, certainly before the match, they were playing music, and they just had the same song on repeat for about an hour and a half. Yeah. It, from what I could tell, there was a few players' names. So I think it might have been World Cup-related right. uh, Croatian songs. So that got a little, tried my patience after a while. <laughs> yeah, they were doing, they were announcing the substitutions. Right. I mean, it was handy for us because uh, as reporters, because it raised our attention to them. But what I found strange in my job, which is obviously so small fry compared to the the troubles other people have had, and that certainly the ones that have bought tickets, is that. I rely so much when I'm writing a match report on fan noise. When when things get busy in the second half and I'm trying to get everything done to file on the final whistle, oh, right. uh, when players are running up the wings or they're about to cross, you get the crowd noise and that's what makes you look up. And it wasn't that last night. Right. So, yeah, there was lots of things that... I, that there's triggers that makes you 
look up, but there weren't any triggers because it was just silent. Oh, that's, that's interesting from my uh, from a from a writer's uh, perspective. Tell us, tell us, what is the press association? Do you write for anyone in particular? How does that work? So the press association is the national news agency of the UK and Ireland. We've done such a great job of promoting it. They have to explain us as the UK equivalent of the Associated Press or Reuters or Agency French Press. So we we cover every England game home and away. There's two of us uh, that do it, and then we have video and photographers that come with us. Right. Uh, and yeah, our, our content goes to every every national organi- every national newspaper, BBC, Sky, the whole the whole lot. So a lot of the times when you see websites with England stuff on it is us because aside from the national newspapers who all have at least one person covering the games nobody else does so yeah it's often us but we just don't get the the name on it oh I see is that frustrating well a little frustrating but I do find I don't get quite the same vitriol as some of my my colleagues and newspapers because I, uh, people don't know who's written the story Oh, that's that's true. Yes, <laughs> I don't write that much bad, but no, it's uh, it's good. I've I've covered. Uh, I've been doing the job. I was under twenty ones correspondent, but I've been covering the senior team since before the twenty fourteen World Cup. So I've seen a few uh, lows before the highs in Russia. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's good. And yeah, my my partner's one of the supporters, member of the supporters club. So she comes to a lot of the games away. It's an all-encompassing job, but uh, Gareth Southgate's a, a very nice man to deal with, and the players are a breath of fresh air compared to. Certainly some of the ones I had to deal with at the start of my time covering England. Oh, maybe we can speak about that at a later date, maybe. Um, just looking back on the game, what, what did you think? Well, I thought the first half was quite boring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fair to say. I believe it's the first time we've, we've only managed a single shot and a half since we played uh, Ireland in Dublin when Jamie Vardy made his debut. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's been a few years. But... I hit the post and then Kane hit the hit the woodwork as well and we really kicked on in the second half I thought Ross Bartley should have I thought that was a penalty from, from my vantage point and Marcus Rashford obviously should have scored those two goals and I, I put it to Gareth Southgate after the match that was this basically a match where England should have won and he said yes like it was a it was a missed opportunity and as much as it was a missed opportunity it was also impressive the way that the players given their relative inexperience handled the situation and scenario I found it more promising. Yes, Croatia went at our best, but neither were we. We were missing a lot of key players, and uh, I thought we did well. I thought Ben Chilwell was excellent at left-back. Southgate was talking the day before to BBC Radio 5 Live about the prospects of perhaps moving Trent Alexander-Arnold or Trippier to left-back, but he didn't. He he trusted Chilwell, and he got... Mm. He got a good performance. I thought Barkley was did, did okay, and and Jane Sancho showed a showed a flash of quality at the end uh, after becoming I think it was England's youngest competitive debutant uh, in 63 years or something like that. So right. there was promising things to build on, and I'm, and I'm interested to see how we cope with Spain because I thought we nullified Croatia's midfield for large parts, which obviously we didn't 93 days earlier in in Moscow. So on on to Spain. Um, you're halfway there to Seville. How do you see that? We're we're a couple of players short with uh, Henderson and, who is it, John Stones as well, yeah, but, suspended. Yeah. Well, first of all, I hope the weather's slightly better than it is in Barcelona at the moment. Uh, but <laughs> that's a real blow. I hadn't quite realised going into the match that those two were in jeopardy. Um, it seems quite quick to rack up that a suspension, to be honest. Although I guess it's quite a small competition, so two yeah. yellow cards and two games probably does bring a bound. But yeah, so Henderson, I thought, 
he, you could hear him throughout the entire game. He was probably the most vocal player, and he really did lead. Right. He's basically a captain in all but name, yeah. uh, just directing. And I thought he played quite well and kept his cool as well after getting a yellow card just six minutes in. Uh, so he'll be missed. And John Stones, uh, he's been our best best defender, I think. This was certainly even one of our best players this this year. So they will be missed. So I'm interested to see what Southgate does because he spoke after the game of England now having uh, more established and better equipped players to play a four-man defence, which allows us to attack more in open play. But who's he going to trust alongside uh, Harry Maguire in that centre-back pairing? That, that'll be interesting. Uh, I suspect Harry Winks would come into midfield. I don't know for sure, but that would seem to make sense. And obviously that's another big big moment for him because yeah. his only appearance to date, or his only start to date, has been Lithuania. I don't think he's made any others. But yeah, it's been a year. And uh, look, yesterday was the first time in a year that England had played a back four and that's 16 matches uh, and I thought it worked quite well so I'm interested to see how that goes against the Spain side that really did quickly figure out how to, to nullify England with the, with yeah. the back three. Yeah, and they, uh, they had an impressive result against Wales and of course the, the victory over Croatia there so they're going to be real guns pumping I'm sure. Um, I think it's going to be a, uh, a tough game and, and if we can come away with Come away with anything, I think, is a uh, is going to be a positive result, and I think it may well come down to that game in November against Croatia, mightn't it? Yeah, and as much as obviously we want positive results here and now, the players will be learning a lot from this competition. I know a lot don't really like the idea of it or the sound of it, or I know Jurgen Klopp doesn't appreciate it, but that purely selfish reasons. And but well, I actually think it's really good because there's a sense of jeopardy already, mm. whereas we'd be just stumbling along qualifiers and friendlies. Nobody wants that. We, we, it means a, a shorter qualification period and some intense games where, obviously, not just for England, it helps other nations, smaller nations in particular, to get to taste victory and get competitive action against sides that are more at their level. Not saying that we're at Spain's level just yet, but it certainly provides us with an interesting, interesting test. And, yeah, that Croatia game could, could feel really big. Uh, I don't remember, unless it's like at the end of of a qualification campaign you don't normally get big games in November so that would be really good yeah no I thoroughly agree and uh, I mean we may even be looking back to that time when we last played Croatia at Wembley in that was it the uh, 2007 I think was yeah. it yeah well, let's hope not but, memories. Uh, yeah <laughs> um, Simon thank you very much for your time uh, appreciate it uh, if people want to f- pick up uh, on you on Twitter you're on there aren't you Yes, uh, at Simon Peach is a very original name I've come up with. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I will make sure we link to you just to uh, so people can people can hear your musings on various things England related. Um, safe trip down to Seville um, for you, and and thank you very much. And maybe we can hook up again at some stage. Yeah, not a problem. Have a good one. So on to Spain. Sadly, before the match had taken place, England fans were in the news. Now I didn't read of any issues with fans that went to Croatia, be it Zagreb or Rijeka. Yet when I woke up on Monday morning, I'm reading about England fans and Spanish police. Take yourself back to Seville in 2009, or 2004 in Madrid. The Spanish Guarda Seville, rightly or wrongly, don't need much encouragement to show a bit of authority. 
by use of force. They're a different breed to our own police force who can be a bit more talk first, baton later. Now it's difficult to pinpoint who is to blame other than a small minority as it took place away from the game. But with tickets being available for anyone from the grounds box office, England fans who either didn't get allocated tickets or weren't even England members had made their way to Spain. Which in itself isn't a problem, but causing trouble through alcohol, picking up chairs, damaging property isn't a great look and tarnishes the rest of us. Now throughout the summer, I don't remember either reading or seeing any trouble in Russia, yet we seem to have issues when we travel to the likes of Amsterdam or Dortmund. I'm hoping the European Championships draw in December sees us drawn in some lesser appealing places, if you get my drift. But I do have to emphasise it is only a minority. Thankfully, within the ground, nothing appeared to happen or be seen for TV viewers. England made a few changes. In came Kieran Trippier, Joe Gomez and Harry Winks. Spain exerted some early pressure. Pickford unknowingly saving with his face. Then Raheem Sterling was set through to blast past De Gea. Sitting there watching it, I was eating my unspoken words. Nothing could please me more. That was until Jordan Pickford kicked long. Harry Kane marvellously held the ball up before seeing Marcus Rashford through to make it two. Then Sterling had the audacity to get his second and our third. Both players seemed to be thriving playing in front of a crowd. In fact, the whole team did. We hadn't seen a performance like this against a top team in a competitive match for some time. So going in at half-time three up, I'm considering our goal difference and the possibilities of heading to either Italy Poland or Portugal next June. Second half, Jordan Pickford had a couple of moments of madness in the second half, one of which led to Spain's first goal. Not sure what he was doing, pushing the ball over the line for the corner. But we held out. And is there a better sight in football than that of Sergio Ramos getting annoyed? Scoring with the last kick, or head in this case, of the game, thinking there's still time for him to get an equaliser, only to be denied by the referee's whistle. And just as they'd done to us, England had inflicted Spain's first home competitive defeat in 15 years. So after not being there, I I just couldn't resist going through all the social media posts of the people who were there. And now I have to speak to someone who was there. But it's all right, though. I know CJ is going to tell me it wasn't all that really, was it? CJ, you all right? I'm okay, thank you. Yeah, but a good few days. Yeah, oh, so I always say never let the football ruin a trip. But I think this one, probably the football enhanced it, didn't it? It did. It's that rare occasion where where it actually enhanced the uh, the experience of um, of going England away. Yeah, they don't come around too often, do they? Um, you didn't go to Croatia, though, did you? I didn't. We did look at it, mm. but it just involved a couple of days off work. There was no guarantee of getting into the ground. Um, there ended up being very like, a virtual n- no chance whatsoever of getting in. So, yeah, and I, I didn't, I didn't fancy standing on that hill. So, yeah, we gave it a miss, and it's frustrating because, at the end of the day, that hopefully we can take some positives out of that because we can look at that and think, do you know what? You had the brilliant atmosphere in the ground last night, and then you had 
that atmosphere there. And hopefully UEFA will look at that and make sure it doesn't matter whether it's us or any other country. It just won't happen again. It will just be moved to a neutral. It could, you know, why not just play it at Seville's ground? Play yeah. at a neutral venue, let the locals in, let the England away members in and just, you know, why not do that? Obviously, I'll, I mean, I was gutted to miss the game. It's the first, it was, it would have been my 50th in a row. Oh, um, shocker. So it was just a little bit of a, I just couldn't stomach watching it. So we um, we actually booked our flight at 25 to 8 on Friday night. To you were in the air? To leave to Malaga, yeah. Oh. So we, I just couldn't stomach watching it. So I had no problems whatsoever with booking the flight at that time. Well, if, if it's any consolation, it was just as hard watching it on the box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, was, it was quite hard work, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so you so you got into Malaga. What was it? First thing on the phone, what was the score? Yeah, well, my my, my phone wasn't working. So, so I was just scratching around trying to find somebody with signal. And um, yeah, so I was pleasantly pleased with the score. I was pleasantly pleased. I thought that's going to set us up now because Monday, if we somehow manage to win, we'll scrape, a, scrape a one goal victory or something, we'll, um, yeah. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be good at that point, um, and it still gives us any chance of, of winning our group, and um, very it gives us a very good chance of staying in, uh, in League A. So I mean, I, were you confident? I, I must admit, I I wasn't confident based on Spain's recent victories. No, I mean, I did say before the game that I thought they would win but well I thought that they would probably win I, th- I thought it would be a one goal game I thought well it would be a, a goal in between us and them really either way obviously it ended up being that way but never envisaged how it had actually come about it was amazing watching it I mean that first half we, it was just it was like a tidal wave really wasn't it I mean it, okay they had right at the very beginning they, they showed a bit of authority but we, we seemed to wipe that out straight away we did yeah I was very 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 impressed with um, with every single one of our players in that first half the unsung heroes so to speak like players like Eric Dyer and what have you that they, they came through and um, their quality showed I think everything that they they came forward and we just shut them down pretty much before they had a chance. And then the way we hit them on the counter-attack was just, it was just brilliant, wasn't it? And do, do you know what? Three years ago, when we played in Alicante, yep. it, it wasn't actually that much different. We defended very similar to that. And we hit them on the counter-attack quite a few times. But that night, it just didn't go in. And I think it, I think it took until about the 75th minute and a brilliant lot overhead wit mental volley for them that's right that was up that was scored up at our end wasn't it yeah it was and I think that, like I said it, I think it was only about 10 or 15 minutes to go when that went in now I think about it it's very similar to that game at the end of the day they were a lot poorer they were a lot poorer than then and I mean after watching the Germany game the night before I didn't think I'd see a more inept display you know from <laughs> one of the elite nations or any you know any any team, like even, even the likes of San Marino, Liechtenstein and Scotland, you know, you'd expect them to defend better than that. But at the end of the day, they just look completely clueless at the back. Every single time Sterling got the ball, they just didn't know what to do. Every time Barkley had the ball, they looked like, oh, oh no, there's a dangerous ball coming in. What do we do? It, Kane, the, the passes he was making 
it, we saw a new. I don't know whether we saw a new. Uh, I, I think the general public saw a new Harry Kane last night. I, I think I actually said on the on this podcast actually back in the you know during the World Cup that he he was playing a slightly different role, a little bit deeper. You could tell he was struggling. He was playing balls through and playing other players through, but they just weren't quite on his wavelength. Last night they were. At the end of the day, he 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 deserved that man of the match. I think one of the one of the um, the stats websites put him at eight point two seven out of ten or something, okay. which for a striker that didn't score, you know, you can't get much better than that, really. Yeah. Um, I just think every the the only player I was a little bit worried about was Pickford. Um, <sighs> he was. He yeah, that's part of the goalkeepers' union, there, isn't it? You. Yeah, <laughs> so that's probably why I'm saying is I was a little bit worried about him. He he made one really good save that I think has been massively underrated in that first half. It seemed like it got a deflection, and he saw the path of the ball quite late, and he managed to get his gloves on it, and he almost kept the ball in actually. Was, but he managed to palm it out. Was that uh, right at the very beginning? I think it was. Yeah, I mean. Well, if- if that was the one right at the very beginning, it hit him in the face. And I don't think he Did knew he anything really? about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It smacked him right in the face. He got his gloves in, in. But what I would what I would say is I think the big thing about that game, and we both, me, me, and, me and Dan, who was with me in the World Cup, we both looked at each other when that, when, when, after we scored our first goal and then they went straight down the, our end. And almost scored, and we really they should have scored. Let's be honest. I'll tell you what, we both looked at each other and went, "That's the difference." Because the game, the game at Wembley, that's what killed us. That goal straight back, and yeah. we didn't we didn't concede that this time around. Whether it's through luck, whether it's through you know decent defending or whatever, it or poor, probably more like poor finishing. Really, I was very very unimpressed. With their finishing yesterday, I thought their finishing was pretty poor, with a few chances that they had, and that that summed it up. That chance there, but that that was the one where I looked at him. And we well, we both looked at each other and said, "This is going to be our day here." Yeah, I mean, going back to to, to Jordan Pickford, the their first goal um, came from a corner with a fella who came on. He'd only been on thirty seconds, a minute or so. Did Pickford make a mistake in giving the corner away? No, you see, it's always difficult, isn't it? Because as a goalkeeper, you're always going to be... I mean, I always used to think sometimes if the ball if the ball's coming in and I've, I've got the choice, going for it, making a solid catch, if, yeah. I, if I'm not 100% certain that that can happen, I'll always try and either push it out for a court, push it out towards the wings or push it out for a, um, a goal kick. Uh, sorry, a corner. That's what I would. That's what I would do myself. Obviously, Pickford's um, slightly better than what I was. So, <laughs> it's at the end. The, the end of the day, I've got to trust his judgment. Yeah, um, perhaps I'm being a bit he's harsh. A young, he's a young lad. He might make. He might make. He he will probably make a different decision next time, and that might come back to haunt him. You you just don't know. Yeah. So that's what I'd say on that one. The the bit where he lost the ball is that something just that just happens once oh, in a while. Well, all it was, he was just, you know, we're playing, we're playing like 
fullbacks at centre half, and I think he just wanted to show Gareth that he could put a goalkeeper in there, you know, um, if if he ever needed to, because that tackle, what that was one of the that was almost as good as Eric Dyer's tackle. <laughs> um, that was that, um, that Eric Dyer tackle. That said everything you need to know about Eric Dyer. But uh, what, what did he do? He must have sprinted about thirty or forty yards. Uh, and to be fair, nowhere. Yeah, he, he got the ball, we, and, to, and it, it was one of the most pointless tackles I thought. But he got the well, ball. No, and, it, well, a strong tackle on Sergio Ramos is never the most pointless tackle. <laughs> it's the most yeah. important one. He let him granted. Know, yes, he let, know, he let him know he was there at the end of the day. But going back to Pickford with that. I think we got away with that a little bit. It could have easily been a penalty, but that I just I I don't know how he managed to tack, you know to make that tackle. At the end of the day, he's he's a young lad. He's learning still. He's basically he hasn't he hasn't really served an apprenticeship with the senior squad. He's just basically come in really, hasn't he? And yes. he's become number one mm. pretty much overnight. It's. It's not like other keepers that have been in our squad for, in some cases, years and years and years and then finally getting their chance. I'm thinking David James. But <laughs> let's face it, he is a bit better than David James. I'm very, very, very impressed with how he's come in, how he's looking at the moment and the future's bright there. And he's part of, he's part of that spine, isn't he? Straight yeah. through the middle. that We're going to do something very, very, very special with that spine, I think. Well, take us to the stands. What was it like? What was the ground like? What was the what was the atmosphere like? Very good for for a stadium that you wouldn't expect to hold much noise because it's so open. It's just completely open. There's a there's a little bit of a roof on the main stand. If you if you think of the Calderon at Madrid, well, the old Calderon, the old one, yeah, yeah, you think of that. But to be honest. It held its noise so well, not just from us. I mean, we were right in the top tier, and I've seen videos from um, pitch side, pretty much from the lower tier, and you could hear us. You could re- you could hear us quite loud, and but j- not just from us, from 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 them as well. They they did sound. I mean, they sounded like a bunch of school kids, to be honest. They sounded like they'd lot of, given away a lot of free tickets to um to the local to the local kids, and that, that's a point for um. The FRA, FA really to consider with Wembley with the USA game coming up. I think I think they've got to be doing that. But anyway, I, yeah, I thought that stadium actually held the noise in surprisingly well, considering, like I said, there's no roof. And immediately when there's no roof, the sound just disappears out. I don't know what it sounded like in the middle of the pitch. It may well have sounded like what it did on Friday night. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, t- to be fair, we went to the we went to the Granada game on. Um, on Sunday night, and that was very that was very similar. But I mean, it was about half the size or about a third of the size, similar sort of stadium, and that actually held the noise in quite well. To be fair, so I don't know, <laughs> Spanish air maybe. I don't, maybe I don't know. it is. Yeah. yeah. Any new songs over there? Not really. It was just following England away. Really was the main one that I just went in, and obviously there was quite a few people that thought we were singing about something else, um, but. That's it. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear anything, anything that shouldn't have been sang. I didn't hear that once in the actual stadium. The fans were in the actual ground were brilliant, and those that are outside, I think, let us down the night before. There's no doubt about that, and maybe a little bit on the on game day as well. But inside the actual stadium, like in like at Amsterdam, 
pretty much like a Dortmund. Bad behaviour out in the streets. Superb. Can't can't speak highly enough of everybody inside the stadium. Yeah. And that yeah, says a lot about the travel club and those that maybe aren't in the travel club. It's the difference. No, it's a shame. It's something that needs to be somehow looked at um but that's that's for someone else to uh someone else to do uh, so where do we go from here i've got uh, i've already mentioned the usa and obviously we've got the return leg of croatia next month um croatia have got the double header haven't they 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 face spain and us this could go our way couldn't it it could i mean they've obviously got two massive games there i mean we've got one massive game and conceivably the ideal result for us, is that they, they draw. That's what that's what we want. We want them mm. to draw because if we draw level, if we draw, if we win, if we if we beat Croatia, and Spain don't beat Croatia, I it's a, it's a draw or a loss for them. We win the group. The thing is, I don't want Croatia going into that game with that you know with a win behind them like that. I'd rather see them have one point, to be honest, because we are li- we are still living dangerously. Let's not. Get ahead of ourselves. If you know, if Croatia, Croatia could potentially could be one nil down in the 89th minute. You, you know, after getting a good result in Spain, score two in injury time, and we could go from being top and go and go through to the semis to being relegated in the space of two minutes. That could conceivably happen. So this is we've just we've just got to remember about that. Obviously, we've got to be positive. That is that game. That game against Croatia is one of the biggest games we've had, non-tournament games that we've had for quite some time. I think the last few qualifying campaigns have just been like, well, you know, we've ground it out and we've we've managed to qualify with two, three games to spare or something. Almost going through the motions, like yeah. But this time around, we've got two of the best teams in the world that we've come up against, and we've we've held our own. We shouldn't have. We shouldn't have lost against them the first time around really you know well that well well bet goal should have should have stood we beat spain the other night we got a good draw out in croatia so if we if we win if we win this group we deserve to be there but like i said that croatia game it's massive um it really is massive they're going to be they're going to be hurting after that 6-0 loss where they would just fall apart really let's yeah. be honest and I think a lot will depend on what they do against Spain. If they draw against Spain, then they're just going to be looking at it, thinking, "Well, do you know what we, you know, we we, we are still fighting for our lives a bit here. We need to win here to stay in to stay up." And that's that's just what we're going to be wary of. It's going to be an interesting night in November. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully the atmosphere will be a a good one. And I guess the only other. Major thing coming up will be the the draw for the Euros come December time. Yes, and obviously Russell, we're only we are going to be in a five team group because we're going to be in the Nations League semi finals, aren't we? Uh, I like you. You, you are so Mister Positive. That'll be happening. We've got no friendlies next year, one hundred percent. I think there is if if we don't if we're not in the semis, I think there is a like a I think it's something like a one in ten chance that effectively we could be in a five team group. We don't want to be in a five-team group um, if we don't make the semi-finals. We want to be in a six-team. We we want to be facing teams in competitive fixtures because it let it, the chances are we're going to win our group. You've got to be pretty poor not to qualify for the Euros when two teams from two two out of six yeah. qualify from each group. 
So you've got to be pretty poor. I'm just hoping we don't get the likes of Switzerland again. Switzerland's a lovely place, but you know, let's let's leave that for our skiing holidays. We've done our time there. Yeah, we certainly have. Um, I don't really. I like Spain, but I don't really. I don't really fancy going back to Spain again. I don't really fancy going back to Germany again. That's what we've got to remember as well. You just don't know. They could be in. They could be in the pot pot too, couldn't they? Conceivably, I think. Yeah. They, they're looking at relegation at the moment. You got to think Poland have just dropped into pot two as well, effectively, with their relegation. So there's going to be. There could well be some tough teams in there. But even if we did get either one of those, I'd still fancy our chances of getting through because there's two teams that go through. We want we want the Faroe Islands, we want Iceland, we want Armenia, Bosnia. We just We're want... picking all picking all of them out of pot six here at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's have a, yeah. Fin Finland. Um, you know, um I mean we've never ever played a competitive fixture against well, we've never played against a team like Latvia before. We've never no. played them. Just Somewhere new and exciting. Five new teams that we haven't played before would be fantastic. And also Scotland. So we can basically just send them to the bottom of the table last game and just ensure that they finish rock bottom below Liechtenstein or something. Um, you know, that that would be fantastic. If we got that, if if we got them, I'll, I wouldn't mind going to Scotland again. I'd, I'd love to play them every year, to be honest. Well, I tell you what. When the draw comes out, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you then, and we'll go through it. Certainly. We'll uh, we'll get the map out. We'll get the pins out, and we'll work out where we're going. Too right. We'll get Sky Scanner up, Airbnb up, and we'll we'll get some. Uh, we'll Happy get days. Some stuff booked up. Yeah. Some dates of the diary. CJ, love that. Thank you very much for your time again. Um, glad you got back safe from Spain, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk again. Yeah. No problem. Now, we started the show with our bloggers' takes on Croatia. Let's see what they had to say on the Spain performance. Englandfootball.org. Sterling sinks Spain in Seville thriller. And Englandstats.com. A marvellous win to rank with other recent away games such as 4-1 in Croatia and 5-1 in Germany. Now, as you may remember, on the last podcast, I mentioned there were a lot of fixtures taking place for our under-aged teams. Um, I think it's time to get the Vidi printer out and we'll, uh, we'll rattle through these results. Now, the under-17s were in a four-team tournament taking place here in England. Their first game against the USA 3-1 they ran out winners at Chester after going a goal down three second half goals from Sam Greenwood Morgan Rogers and Wiggins Joseph Gerhardt gave us a good start in this tournament we then faced Russia at Shrewsbury on the 14th and came away with a 3-0 victory and after scoring against America Joseph Gerhardt grabbed a couple more after Brighton's Hayden Roberts had opened the scoring the under 18s England 4, Sweden 0. Goals from Tyrese John-Jules, Faustino Arignon, Arvin Apaya and Ethan Laird. And they also drew the Czech Republic 2-0 but went through 5-4 on penalties. I say went through, I think it was just a friendly so they won that 5-4 on penalties. The under 19s, 
went away to Portugal and came away with a 4-1 win. Goals from ML Smith-Rowe, Felix Nmanchea, Mark Gui and Ian Pavida Acampo. And the under-20s, England 2, Italy 1 at AFC Flyde. Eddie Nketiah got the opener and a penalty from Joe Willock, both from Arsenal. And like the under-18s, they also played the Czech Republic, drawing one apiece. Eddie Nketiah again on the score sheet. Now the under-20s are again in action on the 20th of November when they played Germany at Colchester. Now the under-21s, only a point we've done it for them to qualify for next year's European Championships in Italy and San Marino. They decided a draw wasn't enough. 7-0 home win against Andorra at Chesterfield. Good game, this one. Uh, goals from Adamea Lukman, Ezi Konsa, and two from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Dominic Solanke and Reese Nelson also on the score sheet. And just to add insult to injury, uh, deep into injury time, the Andorans scored an own goal. And following their 1-0 win over Brazil, the Lionesses drew one all with Australia. Frank Kirby with another after getting a goal against Brazil. So well done to the Lionesses. Well done to all our young teams. So there, four points out of six away from home. Doesn't matter who you are or who you're playing, that is a decent return. And it's still going to come down to that last round of matches. Croatia have the double header this time. They face Spain away and then they come to England. Now, if they can beat Spain, then we are in with a real chance of progressing in this competition. That's right. A tournament that many ridiculed before it began. Oh, we don't need more games. They're only friendlies. On that note, take a look how Germany have been doing. Also credit to Gibraltar for getting a victory over Armenia. And just for balance, a mention for our near neighbours over the border who lost to Israel. Teams are taking this competition very seriously. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. And for those that have been away, I hope your journey back has been safe. Thanks to Simon Peach from the Press Association. You can find him on Twitter at Simon Peach. And also to CJ Joyner, he's at CJ underscore Cov Blaze. We are at Three Lions Podcast. Search also on Facebook. Search also on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud for the podcasts. Any uh, previous ones are all available on there. And they're also on threelionspodcast.com. I'd be grateful if you get the chance to leave a review, like and subscribe at all the usual places. We'll be back next month as we've got a couple of games to look forward to. Oh, and I was going to let you in on the next podcast, wasn't I? This will be dropping in the next couple of weeks. Make sure you subscribe and you won't miss it. I'll catch you again soon. I claim to fame it was Bex's debut, but you don't read about mine. (laughs) Oh, you've had a message from Glenn Hoddle. As people often say, when your country calls, you can't turn it down. Gazoo is one of the nicest, nicest guys you're ever going to meet. The Italians have locked the dressing rooms. I got quite emotional listening to the national anthem. And I just said, 
Looks like I'm going home, Doc. Coming soon, Gary Lewin, Treating England.